0: Welcome to 3 Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. Boy, oh boy, we're in the thick of it now. It is so hot and humid down here. It's almost unbearable. Let me not complain, because you're here. From deep underground in Staten Island's beer bunker slash virtual saloon, we're still hunkered down here, ladies and gentlemen. And I welcome you all to another episode of 3 Beers In. The Craft Beer Show bringing you the latest beer news and unique craft beer reviews. I'm your host Dom, and this is episode 170. And this week we are drinking uh, Colombian Necktie from the Nightmare Brewing Company. Uh, it's a Leipzig or a Leipzig goes, uh, which is a town in Germany or city in Germany, uh, if I if my memory serves correct. But it is a sour beer. Uh, I believe we did one last week, so I'm going to see if this one can compare or be better. Uh, I am not um, against or for uh, sours. It doesn't really matter to me as long as it's a beer. And I want to give it its fair shake. So we're going to see how it is. How are y'all doing? Oh, man. Crazy world out there right now. I'm just so glad that you guys are joining me here. Down in the virtual beer bunker. Uh, I'm drinking right now. From Flagship, a summer, the pastime summer ale that they have. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, I'll just say this about Flagship. They've honed in on a specific hop I, I think that they're using uh, with a lot of their beers, and they, it just gets me. Um, the guys that are over there that are brewing these beers, it's really been fantastic. I had the, um, the Pizza Rat uh, Pilsner the other day. Uh, for the first time in a while, and it I initially when I initially had it, I didn't really enjoy it that much. But uh, this time around was really good, so I don't know if maybe I was just maybe my palate was off or something. But it was really fantastic that time. This beer is excellent, uh, especially for a wheat beer. It's it's just like if you're if you're a hop head right and you want something that's a little bit out of your lane so to speak or not so much out of your lane but um you're you're you want to do something different th- this is really good it it doesn't drink very weedy i mean <laughs> it sounds crazy but uh, it, it has a re- a nice hop bite to it oh excuse me it's got some really great burps i mean some of the better burps that i've had in a long time and it's reminiscent of their other beers so the 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 kolsch and the pilsner um, the hops that they're using and they're dry, they dry hop too. So the hops that they're using for those beers are, um, I think they're sneaking their way into these too, uh, and, in, in uh, with a different grain bill and it's just good. It works. It's delicious. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, sorry about the other hiatus and I'm just going off the top of my head here. Some of the things that have been going on or have happened when I've been gone, uh, in the beer world, especially here on Staten Island, some releases from the uh, the two Staten Island breweries that uh, we know and love. Uh, not to leave out Rubsum and Horman, but uh, a lot of news from them lately. But nonetheless, um, Killsborough came out with Cheat to Win, uh, Wavy Tropics, uh, Illusion Strategy, and Linzer Tart. And now I have, hold on, I have so many papers here. I'm such a... I'm such a good beer news and review host. I've got papers everywhere. And that means I'm legit. If I have a lot of papers in front of me, that means that I know what I'm doing. Um, so they just had these can releases, Wavy Tropics. Now, this is really neat about the two breweries. Uh, Killsborough. really, they do a lot on their Facebook. Uh, so I want to say they do a lot on their Facebook. And Flagship does a lot on their Instagram. So it's like I have to I have to go to the two different apps to see what's going on. And that's not a problem. No big deal. Uh, Wavy Tropics. Uh, it says here it's a hazy treat packed with lots of tropical hop character. I'm not going to read about the entire thing. But um, it is a, what is it? Is it a double IPA? It's a double dry hopped uh, guava IPA. It's got a really excellent color to it. I mean, it looks so good, so hazy. Again, this is something that uh that is uh synonymous with uh Killsboro and their small batches that they do. Uh Cheat to Win, uh it's uh one of their IPAs. It's been reformulated to maximize hoppiness. I I do remember seeing this can before, so I know that uh they did it, but they did something different with it. Um dry hopping, double dry hop with Vic uh, Secret, Citra, and Simcoe. Um again, it has that perfect NEIPA look to it. Which is something that I really would want to get my hands on and uh, and try. It really looks delicious. Uh, and then they have Illusion Strategy here, uh, another double IPA, and it's double dry hopped. Dank Bomb featuring nothing but Strata hops, uh, and that is something that's uh, hitting the scene pretty hard. and eight, eight percent in that beer, uh, something that I would really love to get my hands on. And then of course their latest, uh, and they've done. They have really great stouts and and unique uh, approaches with their, I want to call them specialty beers, the stuff that just doesn't go, it kind of cuts against the grain when they did their um, tiramisu munchies, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, They have Linzer Tart. It's a dessert sour with raspberry, cinnamon, milk, sugar, vanilla bean, and graham cracker. You know, I I always say to myself, is this something that I want to, you know, do I want to go for something like that? And I do. I'm a big Linzer Tart fan. So that is something that I would love to um, get my hands on. Uh, On the flagship front, now this is really cool because I don't know if they they heard what I was saying. Yeah, I mean, I'm just a guy with an opinion. It's no big deal. Hold on, I got to get some here. It's so hot down here. Drinking is actually a necessity because it is so humid. Like my back is sweating. Oh my God. Sorry, I don't mean to get nasty here. Um, so I, I had always said that, uh, T- had like that niche, that type of that small batched uh, feel to it. Uh, and that gave you, uh, more of an eclectic, uh, tastes and stuff like that. And, in a different, um, profile than you do have with flagship, not to say that that's bad, but, uh, flagship, I don't, uh, flagship, excuse me, I do do they really have a, excuse me? Like a, a, just a IPA, boom, nothing else. It's usually double IPAs, double dry hopped, triple IPAs, and that's great. Uh, you know, it's really a, a fantastic uh, dynamic that I have right in my backyard. So that's really great. And also, I want to encourage you that if you're listening and you have your local breweries and you have multiple local breweries that you could follow on your social media, do it because there's just something so special and so cool about seeing them. Because a lot of the times they'll put their brewing processes, well, not like, like giving away what whatever it is that they do It's not a rocket science, but them like uh, you know mashing or, or them like getting the beer out of the, the 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 mash tons and into the fermenters and stuff like that. They show you the process, and then like then they show you it getting canned and stuff like that, and then it then it's in your hands. So it's it's just a really cool personable thing that you can do is follow these local breweries that are in your in your uh, neighborhood. Or in your backyard, or they aren't too far away, where you can develop that type of personal relationship with them, see what's going on. So, I, as I was saying before, uh, Killsborough had that that um, that small batch feel, uh, and they really are truly a, like a small batch place, and and that's really great because it's the finer things. And I, and as a craft beer lover, um, that goes beyond those those big hoppy beers. Sometimes when you get those like fine tuned beers that come out of like hillsboro it's it just really hits home and it's really awesome but uh flagship comes out here with a um belgian mango ipa and oh shoot i have to click in to see what's going on here i'm clicking in and what do they have written down i've never done instagram on the computer so this is a this is a new venture for me This just came out for them. It's a Belgian mango IPA and has a unique hot blend with a healthy, healthy dose of mango puree that gives the beer an unforgettable juicy and tropical taste. And they also have opened up their, quote unquote, their tap room. And it's an outdoor only situation, which is happening a lot in, I mean, everywhere you go right now. One of my favorite restaurants, Nuremberg or Beer House, they just have an outdoor seating situation going on right now. Really want to go. But this is an interesting thing, kind of under our noses, so to speak. Um, uh, Flagship came out with Samuel Francis Ale, a beer that they make in collaboration with Francis Tavern, and it's in cans and it's going to be delivered to your door, and you could just call up and get it. It is an American amber at a five percent. It's got a really interesting. Uh, I, I like it. It's got that uh, the the stars and bars uh, flag there, brewed in the United States of America. What is Francis Tavern? Isn't that in Manhattan? Isn't that like a? old timey tavern, like a wooden place. Oh, educating the public about the revolutionary war. Yeah. So it's a, it's an old, Oh wow. Look at that. That's nice looking. One of those old, it's like a, it's like one of those like colonial looking places. So it looks like a tavern that the revolution was a basically uh, planned in. Uh, so I'm pretty uh, excited to get my hands on one of these bad boys. And I didn't hear anything about it. That's another thing. Like, I usually, like, I'm on the social media all the time. I get to see... I mean, I'm not saying that I get to see what happens, but I I look to see what's going on. And um, it just makes me wonder if this is... Uh, how this is going to taste uh, in comparison to the other beers that they've, they've had in the past. Um, because didn't they have, like, an Amber before? I know they had the Dark and Mild. Um... Which they have the the oh, okay they have the Metropolitan Lager basically which is the uh, it's a Vienna style Lager so I wonder uh, what they've done with the uh, with this Francis Tavern beer it looks good I, I would like to get my hands on it and see how it tastes but that is some of the releases that have happened right here in my backyard uh, it's kind of like beer release season right now I'm pretty sure if you go online and you have a look around you'll see the releases that are happening uh, in your neck of the woods. And you should be doing that already. If you're listening to this podcast, you are supporting your local brewery. Brewery strong, ladies and gentlemen. Tuckahoe—they've opened up their uh, patio. It looks great. What I really like about people and breweries and restaurants opening up uh, their outdoors area for uh, or their outer area for for um, for eating and drinking and stuff—they they're very creative with the decor, the decor and stuff, and it just. We gotta make the best of the situation that we have right here right now, and it's it's tough. It's hard, and I know that a lot of people are upset, and I get that. Uh, but it's just gonna be so good to get out and to experience these places again because we really need that right now. Uh, so my my first my first uh, destination is gonna be to Nuremberg because that's just oh, man, they have a special place in my heart. So that's where I'll be going first and foremost, but then I got to hit some of these breweries up, man. That's what I got to do. Before I go deep dive into the rest of the show, I got to bring this up because it's just something that uh, popped up on my Netflix and it was something from my past. And I got to bring it up to the people of the show here. If you've never seen it before, there's this movie called Starship Troopers. Okay. It came out in 1997 when I was a kid. I remember, I I think, I I don't know if we can get in trouble for this. I don't know what the statute of limitations for this is, but Back then, we had a hot box, and um, what that meant for those of you that are too young to know, it was you had a <clears throat> a cable box that was kind of like jailbroken to give you all of the uh, what you call it, all of the premium channels, basically all HBO and stuff like that, pa- pay per view. Excuse me, pay per view and everything. So back then, when something came out on you know videotape or DVD and whatnot. I don't even know if there was DVD by that, but you were able to get these movies. So I remember watching them when I was a very young kid. And one of my other favorite movies growing up, <clears throat> excuse me, happened to be RoboCop, which was the same director that did Starship Troopers. But moving on here, it's a 23rd century futuristic weird thing where it's, a, it's based off of a novel that was written by some dude. Um... Robert A. Heinlein. Uh, and it takes place like sort of in Buenos Aires, Argentina and uh, all the characters have these very Hispanic names or Spanish sort of last names, but no one no one fits the bill of, uh, of a prototypical um, uh, Hispanic person. You know you have uh, Carmen Ibanez is played by Denise Richards. Isabel Forores is played by Diana uh, Meyer. And Johnny Rico is played by Casper Van Dien. Okay, so just to give you a little uh, idea uh, where, where their heads were at then. But anyway, uh, so this movie for me was always just like a, um, like a RoboCop. Just like one of those movies I seen when I was a kid that stuck around and I would watch when it was ever on and stuff like that. Now, it it pops up again on the Netflix. Now, again, it came out in 1997. I had no idea because it's kind of a campy kind of movie. It's not very um, deep. You know, it's kind of like a before Michael Bay was around type thing where there's a lot of shoot 'em up type action of man versus bugs, okay, in another planetary system and whatnot. But I had no idea that this movie... Uh, in nineteen ninety, it came in ninety ninety seven. Sorry about that, my phone vibrating on the table. I just had it on the table. Came out ninety seven. It was nominated for an Oscar for best visual effects. Had no idea. And now, as I'm rewatching this movie uh, last night, I'm actually thinking to myself, this this movie's pretty darn good, and it looks pretty darn good for nineteen ninety seven. So then I say to myself, who did it lose out to? And in ninety seven, uh, that was when Titanic came out. And obviously, uh, the the nominees for the 1997 Best Visual Effects were Titanic, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Starship Troopers. You're not going to be Titanic, even though I think that Titanic was pretty good in terms of the visual effects. I mean, it was a, a huge event in human history with the sinking of the Titanic. Starship Troopers, I mean, were they robbed? Who knows? You be the judge. But I will say this, the budget was $100 million in 1997. That's an equivalent of $160 million today. So give it, a, give it a look-see, because I think it's pretty good. And again, it's number 20 on the list of 100 best films of the 90s by Slant Magazine. I had no idea that this movie had such, I guess, critical acclaim. Uh, I mean, sort of critical acclaim. It's got Judd, uh, what's his name? What's the guy, Busey? Gary Busey's son is in it. Neil Patrick Harris is in it. It's good. It's good. And it, and it kind of transports you to this this world. And I think that the reason I really enjoyed it that much was when you looked at the visual effects and the world that they created, it seems so real. And it makes you kind of miss the um, practical effects that used to come with the lack of technology back then. You know, like that. Like, really, you really had to make stuff. Like, they had to make some of the bugs and they had to make the world that they were in. Everything wasn't CGI and stuff like that. So, if you're in for a nice treat in terms of a shoot 'em up type kind of movie situation, check out Starship Troopers. It's on there right now. And today is what? What is it? Today is June 28th at the time of this recording. So, it is there. So, check it out. And I think you will enjoy it. I don't even know how humid it is outside you know, because I wasn't outside today, but the beer, when I bring it out of the fridge in the can, it's immediately sweating, the can. Immediately, it starts sweating, the can. So, wow. Oh, another thing that I wanted to mention real quick before we're moving on, because I got to get to the next segment here. Um, Wrong music. That's the music. Um, So this is season three of Three Beers In. Uh, What I'm going to do moving forward is I'm going to... Have the seasons coincide with Oktoberfest. So, uh, when Oktoberfest happens, that'll be the, uh, the week before the Oktoberfest kicks off, it'll be the season finale. And then the season premiere will be either the first or second week of Oktoberfest. And then six months after that will be another season finale and season premiere, uh, to do, just to try to get the seasons rolling a little bit, just to try to keep things uniform, uh, when it comes to the, the, um, The Mount Rushmore, which people are very interested in it. I hear a lot of people talking about it. I do have to update the graphic at some point. Still, Barrel Pilsners up there at the Loggers. The Madonna, 9.1 up there with the ales. Lucius, I don't think it'll ever be overtaken with a 9.7. And uh, this is Monday? I don't even know what I wrote down for the seasonal, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes with the seasons. I think that's a pretty fair thing to do. It kind of, like, makes Oktoberfest important. Uh, and it kind of gives me a bit of a gauge when it comes to the seasons because I was just kind of rolling along with Season 3 this entire time. And that's not good, especially if you want to try to keep things um, a bit more uni- not uniformed, but a, a little more structured and stuff like that, especially when you're maintaining these type of scorings and stuff like that. Okay, so we're going to move on now to the Hop of the Week, and the Hop of the Week is going to be hijacked by an article. Uh, I think it's uh, time for us to do a little bit of a deep dive on what a Goza is. Uh, this is a beer that's referred to quite a bit. Uh, a lot of people just call it the German sour, but you have gooses, or guises, guizes, and you—I swear to God, there's all these different names for it. There's guizes and there's Berliner Weisses. Those are all different. But this week, we're going to highlight what is a goza. Uh, and here from HopCulture.com is written back in 2017: the somewhat disgusting origin of the goza, America's new favorite beer. Uh, maybe it is. Who knows? Do uh, you see them a lot? So moving along here. What do we got? A pretty interesting article here. Not too long, so I'm going to read it right through. Written by Carolyn Southern. Southern, over a thousand years ago, in Gosler, Germany, where the waters of the Az- a- Absduct and Goza meet, the recently popular Goza style beer was born. And for those who never bothered to ask their bartender, it's pronounced Go Sa, Goza. Uh, brewed using the saline waters of the Goza River, this beer dates back to the 16th century. However, unlike many other German beers with robust legacies, uh, Pilsners, Dunkelweisens, etc, there was a time when Goza almost went extinct. In the 16th and 17th centuries, Gozas became m- so popular that it swiftly m- migrated about 180 kilometers west of Gosler to the city of Leipzig. <coughs> or Leipzig, where the style was emulated and cherished. Soon it gained the status as a regional specialty, which made it exempt from the rheinheitsgebot uh, the German purity law, which said the beer could only be including uh, water, barley, and yeast, water, barley, yeast, and hops. By the 1800s, Gosen Schocken, or Gose Taverns, or Schockens for short, were ubiquitous. Not to be confused with Gues, gu- is Guez guays goza and Guez are two different things such a hard pronunciation but I'm powering through nonetheless in addition to malted barley gozas are brewed with malted wheat and coriander defying the standard of the pure notion of German beer In addition, spontaneous fermentation in which the wort cools exposed to open air, allowing the yeast and bacteria in the air to inoculate it for fermentation, resulted in a tart and herbal characteristic. The cherry on top was the use of the salty water from the nearby Goslar River, which imparted an immediately noticeable saltiness to the beer that complemented the tartness. After putting the brew into barrels... Now, this is really, really interesting when I read this uh, the first time around. After the putting the beers into the barrels, Goza's breweries would deliver them to the taverns where they would continue to ferment in a cool, dark basement. The bunghole of the barrel would, uh, would be closed, but the shiv of the hole would remain open uh, so that the krausen, or foam, could escape from the barrel. When the foam stopped bubbling through the hole... The beer was poured into long-neck bottles, and instead of capping the bottle with a cork, the bottles were left open. As the secondary uh, second fermentation began, the active yeast would rise up to the top of the bottle and form a natural plug. How fucking crazy is that? For reasons that remain unclear, excitement for goes tempered over uh, the times. By the beginning of World War II. Only one Goza brewery survived in Germany. By 1945, it too had to shut its doors. Throughout World War II and into the 1950s, Goza was only kept alive by a few passionate brewers in a handful of small pubs, and by the 1960s, it had all but disappeared from Germany. Fortunately for modern-day Goza guzzlers, a man named Lothar Goldhahn purchased an old Go- Gozenschnacken <laughs> it's crazy. in the 1980s and decided it would be fitting uh, for a pub to sell Goza. Uh, through a record gathering, uh, excuse me, through record gathering and interviews with people from older generations, Goldhans scraped together enough information and recipes to bring back the beer. In 1985, he finally convinced Schultze Berliner Weiss Brewery in East Berlin to begin brewing Gozes once again. Uh, around uh, 2013, Lost Nation Brewing in Vermont began selling a Goza simply called Goza, and other brewers uh, picked up the trend. While the saltiness of the original Goza occurred naturally during the, uh, due to the salinity, that's a good word to use, salinity, of the Goza River, modern gozas is often made with an addition of salt. For instance, Six Point Brewery in uh, Brooklyn, New York, receives a shipment of salt from Jacobs Salt in Oregon, to flavor their jammer goza, uh, other modern addition and riffs include tart fruit flavors such as Anderson Valley Brewing Company's briny melon goza, and we hope that the style is here to stay. Very interesting. I do, I do wonder what is the fine line between a goza and a sour. Um, who knows? Uh, I'm pretty sure that there are uh, different varying factors, but we're here with the Colombian necktie. It does say, for for instance, that it's uh, soured on mangoes with Lulo soursop and Colombian lime zest. I do know that the lime and the saltiness go together pretty well, and it makes me wonder is the dogfish head sequench ale actually a take on a goza? Okay, a couple of beer articles here, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to the beer news. Oh, this first one, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's just too much to read. Sometimes I feel like if the article is just too much... It. So, uh, apparently, non-alcoholic beer is booming during coronavirus. Now, this is from Bloomberg.com. And, again... Jeez, oh, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. When it's Forbes or Bloomberg and stuff like that, and I don't want to sound... I don't know. I don't want to sound... Not elitist, but I don't want to sound, I don't know, whatever the fuck. They're very wordy, and they get boring, and I get. I sound like I'm just droning on, but I read this article before, and what's happening right now is there actually is a bit of a push uh, by the market for non-alcoholic beer, which I don't really get. I don't know, like, apparently it's a part of a healthy lifestyle, but if you're going to be drinking non-alcoholic IPAs, like, you're going to be still taking in a whole shit ton of carbs and, and a calories, and you're going to get a beer belly, but you're not going to get drunk or anything. But Athletic Brewing Company, which only makes uh, non alcoholic beer, is seeing a boom in demand with sales uh, already surpassing all of 2019, according to the CEO, Bill uh, Shufelt. Uh, and despite the pandemic, the company is based in Stratford, Connecticut. It opened a brewery last month in California to help it expand uh, to the West Coast and the markets like ta- Texas. And it says here, because a hangover is nearly impossible on a non-alcoholic beer, the category uh, also wants to become the choice of those who want to live an active lifestyle. I mean, they're, they're marketing it towards people to have a good beer, but also not have a high alcohol content. Look, I will say this. I mean, as long as the beer tastes like a double dry hopped IPA, whether it's zero ABV or not, Maybe I would like that. Maybe I would like to give it a try because, you know, sometimes when you have, I don't know, you drink a whole four pack of those, uh, those, those eight percenters or 8.5 versus and stuff, the next day can really fuck you up. But at the same time, it's like, uh, I like, I, I love coffee, right? But I don't like, I'd rather not drink a cup of coffee than have a decaffeinated cup of coffee excuse me, I feel like you're not doing it right. Like, I feel like you're, um, what's the word I'm trying to find here? I feel like you're cheating yourself, but you're not necessarily cheating yourself. Either way, you know, craft beer is seeing a little bit of a retraction as the hard seltzer thing comes out, and apparently there is this push for a healthy lifestyle. I mean, I say apparently as if I'm just not a part of that. I do understand that the healthy lifestyle is important and stuff, uh, but I, I just don't understand if you're going to be drinking um a stout that has no alcohol in it you're just basically drinking cu- a, a cup of about 6 oreos or more maybe even more than that you know what i mean or 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 4 to 6 oreos in a glass what are you really doing how are you how are you benefiting yourself basically this next one coming out of the independent from uh, the united kingdom uh guinness is using its leftover beer from closed pubs to fertilize christmas trees during The pandemic, why sometimes, oh man, this is the the fact that like when you want to try to, this is why newspapers are probably, I mean, so much, I mean, they're so much better than reading articles online. You click on an article, you get hit with a thousand ads. They pop up while you're reading it on the text from the bottom, from the top. Then they say like, you want to be tracked? Fuck all you people. This is coming from Sabrina Barr. So sorry, Uh, out of the Independent of the United Kingdom, Guinness is using hundreds of thousands of unused kegs of leftover beer to fertilize Christmas trees during lockdown. Isn't that nice? Look at that. You know, I mean, you know, here we are. We're hunkered down in our beer bunkers. Can't really get out of there. And you're going to have a little extra stuff if you're one of these big boys right here. What are they doing? They're trying to give back to the spirit of Christmas in July. It's still June, but you know what I mean. When lockdown began in Ireland, the Guinness Brewery at St. James's Gate in Dublin reduced its operations to a minimal level to maintain its yeast stocks. And the first time it's done so since 1916 in the Easter Rising Rebellion. I like to look what that's about. The firm retrieved millions of liters of stout and ale from pubs and bars that had closed their doors repurposing leftover beer to fertilize Christmas trees as part of an environmentally friendly forestry project. Oh, it's just so, it's so good. Cause it's a great message of the spirit of the holidays. And you're also, you know, doing stuff for the environment, 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 like vitamins. Aiden Crow, director of operations at the brewery, explained that during the early stages of lockdown, Guinness decided to support it's on trade customers by collecting cakes that would have otherwise gone to waste. Quote, I wish I could do an Irish accent on the fly, but it's going to be butchered and end up sounding like pirate. You know what? I'll just do it in full pirate. It's been a tough time in the brewery, yar, but it's been much tougher time if you're trying to run on trade outlets in this part of the world. Yar. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm, Tis why we, <laughs> it was very, very important right from the start of the lockdown to support the on-trade as much as we could. That's why we are took the decision to bring back our of the beer from the on trade yar. Mr Crow the pirate explained that after collecting the kegs of undrunk beer, we decant it and we disperse the product through the numbers of environmentally sustainable routes yar. The vast majority of the beer goes to willow and christmas tree plantations used its nutrients for those farm yar. Is what he said. Uh, director of operations uh, also the director of operations also stated that some of the beer has been diverted through the anaerobic anaerobic digesters, where ye produces a biogas. Yar, which he later on explained could be suitable as a fuel source. Yar for the brewery in the future, and we've also diverted some of the product for composting. Yar, he added. Because pirates are, are big in the compostable world. I don't know if you knew that or not. They're big on the high seas and, and, and compost. Mr. Crow emphasized that making sure that Guinness, is, uh, Guinness manages its beer in an environmentally sustainable way is critically important, Yar quoted, uh, to the business and to Ireland. When asked how much beer had been returned from pubs and bars that had been uh, that had closed its doors, Mr Crowhead said he would probably cry <laughs> that's him crying if he began to calculate the full sum but it's uh, hundreds of thousands of kegs and we've still have some products to decant we've still got some markets that we haven't finished returning for beer to you yeah. so there's lots of beers and lots of kegs yeah. Uh, Diego, the firm that owns Guinness, recently announced a $100 million or €80 million euro fund called Raising the Bar to help pubs pay for the new hygiene and safety measures amid the coronavirus pandemic. €14 million euros of the fund has been sent to cover the pubs in Ireland. The Irish government states that the indoor space of the pubs will be served as in closing, Mr. Crow said, it's much nicer setting a uh, set of challenges uh, trying to manage the challenges that we fucking march on. A... I'm sorry. Sometimes pirates, they trail off really hard. And that's kind of what happened to this guy. And I want to know where I can, where does one apply to become a Christmas tree out there in Ireland? Because that would be pretty dope. I think it's safe to say that it's the first time we ever had a pirate uh, make an appearance on the show. But this is coming from westward.com, the independent voice of Denver since 1977. There's no ads here. Thank you, Westward. I guess the smaller the publication, or the more craft the publication, the less bullshit that there is. The Brewers Association has laid off Julia Hers, uh, the face of craft beer. Now, personally, I had no idea who this woman was. Does that make me a bad person? No. But now I'm trying to get informed. Julia Hers has been who has been the face, the voice, and the fire behind American Craft Beer for more than a decade, was laid off from her high-profile job as the, quote, unquote, craft beer program director at the Brewers Association, a national trade group that has been reeling from the effects of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh... Eight other BA staffers are also let were also let go, according to. Now there's an ad. It pops up. The you see what they do to you. They draw you in. I praise them. I gave them high praise, highfalutin praise, and I get hit with an article right in the middle of me reading it on my podcast. Maybe they knew that I was reading it. Anyway, eight other people have gone. The boulder Base organization, the non not-for, not-for-profit, has already laid off about a quarter of its staff in April. The two layoffs totaled in 24 uh, people or 35% of the Brewers Association workforce. Quote, no pirate. Like most of you, the Brewers Association has not been untouched by the current global health pandemic and economic crisis, BA President Bob Pease says in a June 26th statement announcing the latest rounds of cuts, skipping over. You know, some of these, like, ads that are, like, embedded in the site. Fighting diabetes? This discovery leaves doctors speechless. And it's a canned canned cranberry sauce where you have like the 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 imprint of the can on the sauce laying on top of a glass platter and then a woman wearing what can only be described as a glaze like that's on a glazed donut all over her face with a smile and it says top plastic surgeons if you want to look 20 years younger do this before bed if it's eating a dunkin donut I should, I'm fucking three years old. Quote, despite our best efforts to weather the impacts of these events through the cost-saving measures already implemented, the recent shift of the festival portion of the Great American Beer Festival from the annual in-person gathering in Denver to an online experience combined with the cancellation of all of our 2020 events and... The subsequent loss of nearly 70% of our annual revenue has forced us to make the difficult decision to make further reductions of our staff. An omnipresent force behind craft brewing's growth from 1,800 breweries 2010 to more than 8,300 today, Hertz has been an educator, speaker, author, advocate, and image creator. She has helped promote small and independent breweries and has been the hallmark of the organization's marketing efforts. Known for her fiery presentations and her love of beer and food pairings. She's rec- uh, recognizable to almost every craft brewery owner in the country. Although hers couldn't be reached for comment, she tweeted, Thanks for all the good wishes and outreach. Outreach, excuse me. I'll be back at my virtual desk on Monday to reply to the many kind thoughts and offers. All options are on the table to consider. On June twenty, 20- I got to take a sip here. I'm sorry. It's hot and thirsty. Ooh. On June 26th, uh, the BA also announced um, some of the details, including prices for its online Great American Beer Festival in a newsletter to the members. They include a nationwide quote unquote passport program between October 1st and 18th, offering exclusive access to beery deals at participating festival breweries, nationwide access to exclusive online content for October 16th to the 17th. The cost of the program ranges anywhere from 20 to $50. And then there is a long uh, statement from the president of the Brewers Association. 20 to 50 bucks ain't that bad. I might try to uh, actually go to this uh, online... <clears throat> uh, uh, What is it? Great, Great American Beer Festival. I mean, I'm not going to be able to make it out to Colorado, wherever it was. I mean, anywhere it was. I'm not going to be able to make it out to go there, so this is my way to maybe get in there as, maybe I can go as the press, as three beers in the press next thing up here we have from excuse me, that that burp was like there and like, it's like, I think if I kept talking, I may have uh, it was going to be bad Uh, founders is coming out, now let me just say this about founders real quick I mean, I think it was about maybe two months ago, no, no, no maybe about six months ago maybe even more when they were getting sued for racism, right? They were getting, and then they had their their some of their breweries were shut down, right? It was founders, right? I don't want to you know put that out there if it wasn't them. If that had happened to them now, especially with this resurgence of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's going on in the news right now, and how the spotlight is really on those on the social justice uh, situation, I don't think founders would have recovered. I think they would have been completely canceled out of everything if this had, if that situation and that lawsuit was in the headlines today. So they, they dodged a big bullet there, but uh, the KBS uh, variant that they're coming out with new is the Maple Mackinac Fudge, also known as diabetes. I tried reading more about it, but when I clicked on the link to get to the article, it told me I had to join a special club. So I guess they're still racist. And <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, they they did what they had to do and they're moving on. The Bronx Brewery, and this is from porchdrinking.com, was going to release, uh, you know, I didn't want to go near this stuff, but it is part of the beer news right now. And uh, I think I'm going to throw it out there. If I get canceled, I get canceled. Imagine I get canceled. I, I'm, am I big enough to get canceled? I think that would be my biggest publicity stunt is me getting canceled. Take a sip here real quick. Such an inviting beer. The Bronx brewery rescinds the release of a, quote, defund the police beer amid threats. PorchDrinking.com Tristan Chan reports. Less than a month since the brutal police murder of uh, Minnesota resident George Floyd Breweries and small businesses continue to band together to fundraise, spark conversation, and work toward addressing police brutality and systematic racism in the country. Last Friday, coinciding uh, coinciding with the Juneteenth holiday in, uh, uh, oh, excuse me, Juneteenth holiday, New York's Bronx Brewery announced that they would be brewing and releasing A beer in July called Defund the Police with $1,000 pledged to support the organization called the Communities United for Police Reform. The announcement joins other efforts by prominent national brands, including ice cream producer uh, Ben & Jerry's, who also calls for reforms to the defunding of police. Uh, along the along with the announcement, uh, the Bronx Brewery also included the following caption and linked more information on the website uh, on what it means to call for the defunding of police. And then they go into their reasons for the defunding of the police. It's long. Uh, you can read it if you'd like on porchdrinking.com. com. However, the Barks Brewery announced today that via their social media channels that since last Friday, several members of their team had received violent threats to their lives and their families at all hours of the day. As a result of those threats, the brewery has also announced today that they will decide against releasing their beer, but will move forward with their pledge to the donations that they uh, pledged to. do. And then they released their, their statement regarding that. It's all over their social media. And uh, they did not do any further comment with, uh, with the organization PorchDrinking.com. So um, whether you agree with the message or not, whether you think, whether, whatever side of this thing you are on, because in today's world, you have to pick sides with everything. But I will say this. I don't think threatening people's lives and people's families' lives, whatever your opinion may be, is appropriate. Uh, I don't care, you know what you think. I don't think you should uh, threat people. I don't think you should raise to the uh, to 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 the point of violence. If you don't agree with a beer label or a beer name or a anything like that, you don't fucking buy it. If you don't like listening to a beer podcast, you don't fucking listen to it. Okay. That's one of the fundamental things that I think needs to be thrown out there right now in this country, in this, in this very divisive and, and hate-filled and harsh time. is just, We need to come together. And if you don't agree and if you don't like it, then you just don't listen to it. It has to be there. It's fundamental. Whether it's dumb, whether it's stupid... OK, whether it's hateful speech, even hateful speech has to be there. The First Amendment is a bitch. OK, it really is. But it's there because of the fact that people might disagree with what you say and whether it's right or wrong or whether you think it's right or wrong, the other person might think it's right and you might think it's wrong, blah, 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 vice versa. It has to be there. And you got to just say, I fuck it. I don't care what you say. I'm going to move on. That's what you have to do. And that's just how it is. So, I'm a little upset that the Bronx Brewery couldn't release this beer. Again, regardless of your opinion, because based upon threats that are unnecessary and un, un it's just you can't you can't re- respond to provocation like that. Whether or not it's a, I mean to some people this statement defund the police in terms of a beer is a provocation doesn't matter. They have every right to do it and no one has the right to take that away from people. And that's my thought on it. Love you all. I really uh, we all come together in the in the world of beer and I hope that I uh, hope that everything is okay. Oh, I didn't even know. Okay. Sorry about that. Okay, on to the beer of the week. For some, this is the best part of the show. For others, I don't I don't, I don't know. I, I just hope you like everything. This is from Nightmare Brewing Company, and they're out of New York. I don't know what part. I'm trying to look on the can here. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They're not from New York. They're from uh, Boston, Massachusetts. I say New York? I think, uh, I think on Beer Advocate, it says they're from New York. I could be wrong, though. Let me say. Uh, Columbia, it says night New York, New York, United States. Maybe someone's wrong here. I'm going to go with what's on the can, and that says Boston, Massachusetts, right? Jesus Christ. Boston, Massachusetts. So I go to the website, and, well, the can is horrifying. I don't know if you guys have seen the can, but it is a man being, um, his having his throat cut by a grim reaper with a scythe, uh, and it looks like he's ripping out the man's tongue through his neck. The man looks to be in, in he. The man looks horrified. It's it's terrible, but there's a pretty cool metallic like red that is with the blood. That when you like turn it, kind of looks black. It's it's a pretty interesting can. Uh, I kind of knew what I was getting into when I went into the website of nightmare brewing company, uh, nightmare, uh, nightmare Co. com If you want to go real quick, it says here, bringing together ingredients, death metal, and our horrific history into a cohesive liquid experience. Nightmare brewing. Um, you got a guy with a mohawk just pouring hops into a mash tun, uh, It looks like they put fake blood all over their fermenters and stuff. I mean, it's really cool looking. It's very... Like, if you could put death metal into a craft brewery, then boom, you got it right here. And, you know, I'm all for... I don't want to use the word gimmicky, but, you know, I'm all for a direction. I'm all for that. You know, if you want to go with a death metal thing. or bolero snort does everything with a bull, so... Hey, more power to you guys if this is what it's all about for you. It is cool. It is brutal. That is the word I'm gonna use for this. It is a brutal. I mean, one of them here is a beer called Glasgow Smile, and it's a woman, again, a Grim Reaper is behind her with a scythe. He is cutting through her her mouth up to her ears. It's it's brutal. It's so brutal. Oh my god. And they do a lot of Goza's. Let's see, Goza, Imperial Stout, a 17% Imperial Stout, Imperial IPA, another Goza. So it appears that uh, they're they're very niche as well. It looks like they only do very powerful or very uh, unique beers. Double dry hop IPAs here. Uh, What else we got here? An Imperial Oat IPA. No, just regular IPA. Imperial Stout. All brutal, all Mediterranean, double dry-hopped, double IPA. That's a mouthful. Colombian necktie. A 7.2% goza soured on Colombian mangoes with lulo, soursop, and Colombian lime zest. Spanning over five de- uh, decades, the Colombian Civil War uh, was uh, has raged on with a bloody history of violent clashes, assassinations, guerrilla warfare, and human rights violations. The liberal and conservative political parties with their uh, internecine feuds have constantly had civilians caught in the crossfire. La Violencia uh, was a particularly violent era spanning from the late 1940s to 1950s with over 200,000 dead and echoes of 3,000 killed a year. A majority of the population has not known an era of peace in their entire lives. Jesus Christ. Pretty brutal. Fighting for territory in the countryside, peasant militias, paramilitary, and military used guerrilla and psychological warfare as a grotesque tool, the Colombian necktie being one of them. Uh, Sometimes even done post-mortem, it was far less uh, for the victim than it was to send a haunting message to the surviving witnesses of the carnage. Slicing it. This is getting a little deep here, people. I know that I have an explicit warning on the episodes. I'm sorry if this uh, this hits you guys, but we're, we're we're plowing along here. Slicing a deep cut across the neck, the tongue has uh, was then pulled through the gash, allowing it to dangle down to the chest. When done to the living, the victim would die from blood loss, asphyxiation, or drowning in their own blood. The inspiration of flavors come from uh, Campus, an indigenous drink used in funeral rituals in parts of South America, overripe mango, bright floral citrus tang, acidic lulo funk aromatics, kiwi center, bromelain, pineapple, unripe strawberry, soursop, soothing rhubarb pie finish with a dry lime lime, uh, zest bite, and it pairs well with a night in Texas, it says. Um, I really like how you go from the brutal um, tactics of of destruction uh, to the to the to human life and then they tell you what the inspirations of the flavors come from. So pretty brutal stuff. gonna pour it out right now. Uh, I know that well I had read that the the yeast is very important in the Goza so uh, when you pour it out it's a clear golden color so I gave it I gave it a good swirl. Give the beer a good swirl, get any sediment and yeast that's on the bottom and bring it up into the pour because I think that's important for this style. And you see the color changes, the opaqueness, opaqueness excuse me, of the beer changes and um, with that the flavors are going to change too. So if you have a, a a beer that where the yeast is in suspension and wants to be there, because these were standing up for a while in the um, in the uh, fridge. The other thing to do they say is to roll the can a little bit uh, just on its berry uh, to, just to give it a little um, just to get that yeast moving around in there to uh, to get it out. So that gives you give you a little bit more of a head on your beer, uh, but it's gonna go away pretty quickly. So I had one of these already. Uh, for this episode, we did a deep dive into the Goza uh, to see what it's all about. You yeah, got one finger of head here. Well, the time I did it, I poured it pretty aggressively, so I got two fingers, and it's going away just as fast as the one did. At one point, it goes away so fast, there's just no head at all. Uh, it was a little strange to see, as a matter of fact, a beer with zero head whatsoever. Usually there's like a little layer on the top, like a very thin layer on the top. Not the case with it. It's almost gone already. Really unbelievable. Um, so uh, it's it's got a really nice golden opaque color to it. Uh, very vibrant carbonation when you look at it. And you also hear it too. I don't know if I can maybe try to do a little. See if I could do this. I put the microphone in there almost. Oh my God. It's a very expensive mic to be putting in liquid. But maybe you heard it. Maybe you didn't. Very, very lively. You put it to your ear, you hear it bubbling up. The head's gone already. It's completely gone. That was surprising to me. Um, Let's get our nose on it. So, here we go. Definitely a sour aroma. The lime is quite present. Oh, really get in there. The mango is there, but the lime is like on top of it for sure. With a lot of sours, I smell like a wine or a champagne aroma. Um, I I just can't put my finger on the specifics, but that's what comes to mind when I, when I put the nose in there. Um, you kind of, you kind of could smell the saltiness, if that makes sense, almost like I'm by the bay, but there's a sweet aroma here, tropical fruit flavor there in terms of the aroma. Very inviting looking. Let's go to the taste. Oh, wow. This is a fun beer to drink. I never, I, I haven't said that in a while, but this is a fun beer to drink. What a complex array of fruit flavor, almost ruined by the sour. I will say this. I had a whole one of these, and now I'm doing it again. Not that I'm against sours. I love sours. But if they made a New England style IPA out of these fruit flavors, holy shit, would you have a banger on your hands. Because after that sour goes away, your palate is greeted by an unbelievable fruit flavor. High carbonation throughout. Gives you some great burps. And it has a very bright mouthfeel. So, so refreshing. Oh, Oh, boy, is that delicious. So in the beginning, there's like a sweetness, like a like the kiwi that they were talking about. There's a sweetness fighting the sour flavor. And then when that sour kind of dissipates and goes out there, that tart puckeriness is gone. But it's not that heartburn type tart that I think I've talked about before. Some of these sours can just instant heartburn you, but that's not happening here. But after that sour goes away... There is just this unbelievable pineapple, mango, citrus, sweet, tropical, fruity flavors. Uh, It's just I feel like my taste buds went surfing in the middle of a luau. Sort of like, have you ever had like a warhead fruit candy? And like once that, the sourness is there, but you taste the fruit flavor and then it's gone. And then you have that wholesome, sweet flavor. And like your mouth feel kind of changes after, excuse me. Very carbonated. After you go through, like a very sour experience, the sweetness is a little sweeter. I don't know what it does to your palate, but it brings out those flavors a bit more. They're a bit more prominent. Again, like this is just a really pleasant, pleasant beer to have. Seven point two ABV. Not getting that at all. I, I wonder. I all I, it kind of makes me wonder. in goes is if you do get any alcohol when it comes to this style. Uh in, in terms of when they're higher or not. <sighs> Let me tell you, if, if loving you is goes, I don't wanna be right. This is really, really good. So this is like a dogfish uh sequenced ale on steroids, okay? The there is the sour, but it's a there's a wow factor here. I, I'll say it again. I mean, I'm not against sours. There are people that are just strictly not for the sours. Uh, and for you guys i think this would be a pretty solid beer because i've always said to people like that don't like sours i would say try a sea crunch ale because dogfish head really does a very good job of presenting the sour in a way that's not over the top this is similar i mean the sour the tartness of the sour is there but it's not too overbearing and the fruit flavors that come out of this beer are just unbelievable. Now, again, I doubt that they made it or brewed it in the way that we had read earlier, like that traditional Goza. I don't think any place does that anymore. But however, whatever they did to create this beer makes it absolutely fantastic. So for me, this is lights out one of the best sours I've had in a while. And it also means that this one is getting a rating of 8.7, which is going to put us on the Mount Rushmore in the seasonal department, ladies and gentlemen. Let the music take it away. That's right. Nightmare Brewing Company out of Boston, Massachusetts or New York, New York, depending on where you look. Colombian necktie, a Goza ale soured with mangoes. Soursop and Colombian Lime Zest. It hits the Mount Rushmore at an 8.7. You might be saying to yourself, Dom, that's a pretty high score for a sour beer or a pretty high score in general. Because I do try to be very fair with these scores. We're going back. We got a 4.0 last week, a 7.2 the week before, an 8.0. Oh, well, that was actually pretty good. And then a 9.5. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place with these ratings. But nonetheless, I think that this is an excellent beer, and I would have no qualms suggesting it for someone to drink. I think it's fantastic. I really and truly do. Jeez, uh, let me take another sip here. Ooh. You know, my wife stopped off earlier here when I was doing the beer review, writing it down section, and she sipped on it. And even she liked it. So it's wife-approved, too, ladies and gentlemen. So when you go find this brewery, wherever the hell it is, because there's two different locations, you can have her sit down and have one of these, and she will enjoy it. And they have a lot of other crazy-looking beers, too. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for listening. It's been such a pleasure. You guys are really, really great. You're the reason I keep doing it. This is a passion of mine. I'm going to be better. I'm sorry that I'm not down as usual, but I'm going to try to get back to an every week thing. All right, don't forget that you, too, can send in questions or comments to 3 at gmail.com or go to www.3beersin.com and click the Contact Us tab. Also, show your support to your favorite beer show and click on the Merch tab and make some purchases. Thank you all for listening again. Cheers to y'all. Have a great Sunday, and I'm going to catch you all next week. Take care, everybody. I love y'all.